Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are honored to welcome Dr. Elizabeth Cohen to our podcast today. In this episode, we're going to introduce you, our listeners, to discuss how to heal, grow, and thrive beyond divorce. Ta Dr. Cohen has been there. She really, truly knows how it feels to have your life derailed by divorce. She's a leading expert, and I love this, is known as the divorce whisperer and the divorce doctor. Clearly, she knows what she's talking about. As a therapist who has worked with hundreds of divorcing clients, she has developed the afterglow method, which teaches clients how to rediscover a life of growth, change, and abundance post-breakup. We're gonna have some great conversation today. Let me just tell you a little bit more about her. Dr. Cohen is a clinical psychologist based out of New York, but helps people across the nation through telehealth. Dr. Cohen is the CEO of the Center for CBT in New York City. She has been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health, HuffPost, Thrive Global, Daily Beast, and Good Housekeeping. Wow. Dr. Cohen is a weekly contributor to Psychology Today with her Divorce Course column. She's the CEO and founder of the online divorce course and membership Afterglow, The Light at the Other Side of Divorce. And we're going to talk about that during our program today because Dr. Cohen's new book, Light on the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You will be published soon, April 2021, just a week or so away. Congratulations, Dr. Cohen, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be with both of you and to be with your audience. I'm, I'm exhausted listening to that intro. How do you <laughs> do it? <laughs> and I also wish our listeners were on our conversation before. I will say you're just a joy to talk to already. We haven't even oh. begun. Um, so this will be a great conversation. It's fun for everyone to listen to. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, so your book is patterned after your Afterglow program, from what I can see, right? Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it is. And actually, Catherine, when you say like, oh my gosh, you're so tired with reading what I'm doing. I mean, I, I have to say, me too. I'm hearing that I felt a little tired. <laughs> but I have to say, you know, I wrote the book and I created the online program for the people who were going through what I went through. When I was going through a divorce 11 years ago, I was one night, you know, finally put my young, young kids to bed. I don't even know if I had showered that day. I put, opened my laptop in bed and looked and Googled divorce recovery program. And I really couldn't find anything. And that was a moment where I didn't realize this until later that it actually sent me a message that um, it's kind of shameful to get divorced. Like we don't, we don't offer suggestions of how to move through because you're not going to. That was like the implicit message that I got. And I wanted to create the program 
the online program to reach people and to create the book so that no one ever had to feel like they had to piece together a program the way I did. And I have the privilege of having the education that I knew where to look, but most people don't. And you know, you're dealing with finances, you're dealing with lawyers. So I really, I wanted it a comprehensive program for people. And there's two modalities, right? You can read it in the book and you can work with the worksheets in the book, or you can have more interaction with me through the videos and through the online community on, online. So it's really um, for wherever you are, I want this information to be accessible. Not everyone going through a divorce can afford therapy, can find the time for therapy. So I really wanted to make it, as I said, accessible for everybody. I you love know, I that. I that really interesting because 11 years ago when I got divorced um, and then after meeting Karen, we realized that there was no place to go to get financial knowledge, to look at the documents and ex access them, and then to get some recommendations and consideration. Yeah. Unless you went through this whole legal battle somehow, like where do you go? Like because I had the, the um, gift of having a financial background, I was able to piece it all together and put it all together. And then I afterwards have the gift of meeting Karen, who knows how to get all the documents organized and ready for court if you need yeah. to go that route or to even just validate what we have. But it's so nice to, to partner up with you here because having all of our experiences for everybody yeah. else going out there, that's the benefit. We've already gone through it. Yeah. And now we can organize our financial life and an emotional life. What yeah. better way to move forward through something that you should not be ashamed of? And that's being divorced. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, if tomorrow morning I woke up and suddenly I had to file my taxes, I would be screwed. Like I'm not a CPA, right? But for some reason, I don't know if it's the shame of divorce, we get divorced and suddenly we think we're supposed to do everything. We're supposed to know exactly how to manage our finances and have a perfect budget. We're supposed to know how to date again. We're supposed to know how to step through our emotions. Like, absolutely not. You need a team. And that's what I love about the work that you both do is that, I mean, if I had had the gift of women like you guiding me lovingly, compassionately showing me what I can and can't do financially, like I would have, I would have had so much less guilt and shame and the process would have been so much smoother. So I think having a team approach is so important and saying when you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we said that <laughs> together. Not no. Nobody out there knows everything. Right. No. And you know, when we first started our company, um, it was a it was a three-phase model then, and now we just do the financial portrait. But we still have the same conversation with our clients when they first come to us that look, there's three areas: financial, emotional, and physical aspects of divorce that pretty much need alignment for you to be able to navigate through the best way. So having those three areas in alignment really does help. And so, you know, you may be more supported in one area than another, but finding the resources you need to bring the balance to all three, I think is so important. It's so important. And you have yeah. to remember, I mean, the, the people that I work with, you know, are still, especially before their divorce, getting texts, getting emails from their previous partner mm -hmm. and are very triggered by, you know, the mention of money or the mention of um, co-parenting or the mention of emotional, anything. And so 
if you have a team, you know, I can call up Catherine and Karen and say, oh my God, I just got this call. And now they want to move this to here. What do you think? You don't have to be alone with it. That was, right. that was the most difficult thing was having to manage the actual logistics and my emotions. So to have someone be able to help with that is just a gift. I and so also agree. knowing what your talent is, your talent is when we're able to work with our clients on their financial piece, mm-hmm. they get to leave it right there. You know, they get to work on their financial piece with us. That's the role with us. And then when they go to you, they don't have to spend all their time with you talking about the financial piece. They really get to work on themselves and what you're gifted to do with them. And so it really helps them take full benefit of the resources available to them, um, which is really um, uplifting to a lot of people. I agree. And when I'm going to do a budget, so many people are so nervous about facing the budget. It's yeah. such a dirty word. Yes. But, you know, when I get, when they come to you then and say, Karen wants me to do a budget. Right. I'll just get that emotional support to say, just take one step and exactly. you know, supporting them emotionally because it is a huge transition to That's start really... to take ownership of your finances and that budget is the first step and it's the scariest step but um being able to take one step at a time is hugely important yeah and you know i think also um karen and Catherine, i think that one of the things that i can really help people look at also is what is coming up when you have the fear of budgeting Mm -hmm. because everyone's fear is different you know maybe in my family when i had to do it i had a um, parent who was a gambler so that was a whole history that i had to work through that i couldn't you know that i think i have brought to many accountants and many financial planners that they don't know what to do with me because i'm so emotional right that was something for my therapist and so everyone has a reason why Mm -hmm. different like flavor of their anxiety to budgeting. And so if you're working with someone like me, right, we can really tease it apart and understand it and heal that part so you can show up fully for both of you and your work. Well, you know, that really speaks so loudly about a lifestyle analysis because we don't only just do a budget, we do a lifestyle analysis because if you're a wealthy person, and you've been a stay-at-home mom, and you've just been living with a credit card, and you really haven't been in charge of the marital estate at all, you don't really know how to transform your lifestyle into a budget. So in doing a lifestyle analysis, it's so great to be able to say, go to Dr. Cohen, and she'll talk through why your lifestyle is like that. Because even myself, you know, I used to buy things just to buy things that I was missing in my marriage, right? And then, of course, you have the buyer's remorse later. And it was nice I was able to buy those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that our marriage was all about that. We finally mm-hmm. got to a point that I could do that. But the loneliness was still there. But yeah. us as financials can't work through that loneliness piece. <laughs> you know, we right. may have to tell you that your lifestyle is going to change. It may go for the better. It may go for the worse. It may stay indifferent. But then to send them to you to work on why those needs are there. Yeah. And it's such a really powerful piece for somebody to take control of themselves again. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And I I just thought of something, which is I have a chapter in the book called Living Life by Design, Not by Default. And I'm thinking that if you're doing this, let's say you do this lifestyle plan with them and they realize that they have to shift things. Like then they come to me and we really talk about the lifestyle, life by design, not by default is all about what do you really want and what yeah. do you really need, right? And small things like, do you want a, a space where you have candles? 
Do you want to paint the wall blue or pink? Like I had no idea when I first got divorced. I don't know if this was your experience. What I wanted or what I liked, right? Mm-hmm. That was a process. Yeah. So they can take what you what you have and the the numbers and the and what they can actually afford. And then we can talk about, ooh, what do you want to do with that? What right. feels right? What lights you up? I know for me that was one of the most I love the that. hardest and exciting part of divorce. But for me, it was yeah. I wanted a bedroom. I wanted my master yeah. bedroom to be all warm and cozy. And I walked in and I I set a goal. You know, so when I, I got divorced when I was 44 or I started 45. And at 50, I said, when I turn 50, I want my dream bedroom. I just wanted to look, I had my chandelier. I had, I, I saved for that. And that, that was so rewarding to me to yes. be able to take the pictures of that room. And I love my room every day that I walk into it. You know, I just feel so at peace there. Anyone oh. that comes to my home loves my bedroom and my master bathroom. And oh. now that I'm remarried, my husband even likes it because I did it in the grays and the neutrals. And <laughs> yeah. So it's so and I'll go <laughs> true to add that into your you know future and yes really to look forward to and then to talk through yes you know. yes I didn't know you then Elizabeth because we would have been oh. on the phone all the time <laughs> all the time oh my god all the time oh that's great well <laughs> let's highlight a couple of more chapters in your book um I love the one divorce is not so bad attacking assumptions about divorce What's that all about? So we all, you know, it still shocks me. It's 2021 and people will come into my office and will say, um, my son just started dating someone. They're really lovely, except that they come from a divorced home or they come from a broken family. Like this is 2021 and we still have the stigma of divorce, that there's something wrong with it. And it is deeply ingrained in us. We marinate in it. And so I start the book and I start my program really where I think you have to start, which is looking at your thoughts and assumptions about divorce and about marriage. So what are the messages that people in your family have taught you? What are the messages we've learned? I mean, hello, Disney movies from every pop culture about what happens after marriage, right? The movie stops happily ever after. And what do we learn about you know, divorced families and really challenging it? And I, I have this suggestion in there and I have practices about practicing this every day. What if you were to say, my relationship has come to its perfect and absolute best closure. I've gotten everything I needed and that's all there is. Just think about how different I love it. That would be. Yeah. I always say my marriage was never a failure. It lasted as long as it was supposed to last. Exactly. But I think you're unique in that, Catherine. I think most people, you know, either take the other person's inventory or keep, you know, are afraid of it, you know, blame someone themselves or the other person for why it ended instead of saying like, it did this beautiful thing I have on my website, like divorce is an opportunity. Divorce is growth, right? Mm -hmm. Divorce is an opportunity to shift. I sometimes joke that it's graduate school for relationships. Like if you decide to face the divorce in the way that I encourage, and I know you both do too, of not focusing on the other and focusing on yourself, then it's an opportunity to learn so much about yourself. It's such a gift. So I really, that's, that chapter is all about really looking at what your assumptions are, where they're coming from and how to challenge them. 
Wow, that's great. Because then that cycles down to your ability to communicate with your children in a healthier way so that they're not carrying that burden and assumption. I know my my children were five and seven when I mm -hmm. went through my divorce and we were from a religious background. The kids went to a private school. So by default, some children were not even allowed to sit next to them at the lunch table. I guess they thought divorce was contagious. Some of my married friends were no longer uh, allowed. So oh. I think in a lot of settings, um, that is some people's experience and some children's experience. And then, so to your point of kind of reframing that for yourself and your family allows yeah. a more healthier journey through the process. So Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I recommend that people really write down three things they gained from their divorce. Like, for example, I wanted a small example I gave in the book is, you know, I was able to watch whatever TV show I wanted in bed. Like, again, not a huge thing, but that was a little gain I got. Huge. That's, that's huge. Right? huge. Like Catherine, huge. right? Catherine got the bedroom she wanted, right? Like that's right. what she got. And for me, if I had been had the gift and opportunity to work with you both, I would have thought, oh my God, my divorce allowed me to get clear on my money. What a gift. I would have just Start stayed over. in right to be clear and supported. And so I really, I think you're absolutely right about really watching the words we use around our children and around other people. Um, you know, most people, we set the tone when we talk to people. So when I started, when people started asking me about, um, you know, how I was doing with my divorce, I would always use a positive word. Like very often people say, I'm so sorry. And I'd say, oh no, no, please say congratulations. I'm very happy. <laughs> Did you say that too? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like please and so sorry that I'm finally finding some happiness. Don't be sorry for me. <laughs> exactly. And I thought that was a way to change kind of slowly one person at a time change the stigma. And I had this experience where um I had two people said two one of two things to me. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Or how did you do it? And yeah. I realized, I mean, as a therapist, we call it projection. Like everyone just responds based on their own stuff. It has nothing to do with me. So <laughs> Just know that you can totally set the tone when people will come to you and ask you about it. Think about the words you use. And think about the words you use when you're talking to somebody going through this. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be, you should get them or you should get her for everything that she's got or, oh my God, tell me what went wrong or, oh my God, right. are they cheating or who are they cheating? dramatic stories yeah it really shouldn't be about that really change try to change the di the, the dialogue that you're setting off to people going through the process um I, that would be absolutely. so rewarding you know everybody says what can we do for my friend who's going through this or what can I do for my sister how about changing the way that you speak to them yes you know and don't look at others going through divorce when they're sitting at the bar oh here she is a divorcee looking to pick somebody up no, yeah. she's going to have a drink by herself, just wants to get out of the house, you know. Yeah. They don't, they don't say that to men. They just say, you know, there he is at the bar. If a woman's sitting there, it's almost like taboo. She's not allowed to be there by herself. Really good point. Change the way that we look at other women going through the process. You know, it would be really helpful to the divorcee to help them feel not shamed or not frowned upon, actually. 
Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think if we shift, I tell this story in the book about sitting in the playground and my one of one of the parents from my kids school said, oh, we don't see your ex-husband a lot. You know, what's this deal with him? And I went into this whole, I mean, I just told like every terrible, terrible story. And as I was telling it, like, you know, I felt like vindicated and they were, I mean, their jaws were dropped. They couldn't believe it because there were some really intense stories. And after I walked away, I'll tell you both, I felt like crap. I felt terrible. And in that moment, I said, I can't keep doing this. I can't define my divorce on his bad behavior. I mean, I could, and I could have a lot of stories, but that is not going to help me. So that was the moment when I said, I'm the one who ended up here. How did I get here? Let me focus on me. The only person I can control is me. And that's really where I thought of it as like we call post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic stress. <laughs> yeah, and you're saying that. like, right? So for Catherine, you're saying like, if you see someone going through a divorce, ask them first, oh, tell me what you've learned or what's yeah. going better for you or what are you enjoying now? Really shifting it because we, we do really set the tone. I have a chapter in my book too, about how to get the best support from friends. And honestly, oh, yes. if so, we right? if, good. If someone isn't supportive, forget it. Goodbye. You don't have time for that. You just don't right. have time for that. Right. 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 Gosh, and that's okay. And totally. That's okay. okay. You said a couple of things. I really want to comment on my gosh. Um, I could talk to you forever. We have such a parallel <laughs> story for one. No. And I loved, I love what you, you suggested about people really use watching the words when they support their friend and about sitting at the bar. You're so right. It's so yeah, gendered. It's crazy. So, you know, you talked about post-traumatic growth, yes. right? And Karen and I say this all the time, you know, and we talk about possibilities. I always said through my divorce, there's endless possibilities out there, right? But what we get to see from what our work, what we're doing is individuals and, and most normal, typically it's the women, I have to say mm -hmm. still, that are redefining their stories with money. So first they come apologizing. Oh my gosh, I'm so, I, I'm so embarrassed. I didn't take control of our finances. I feel like such a failure. My husband did all this work. I don't understand anything. I feel so stupid, you know? And none of those are the cases. Women are very savvy. They just weren't given the opportunity to play that role in their marriage. But when we shift gears with them and Karen starts with their budgeting and making them comfortable with that, you start working with them, analyzing why their lifestyle is that for their budget. And then we give them the tools that they need to understand their finances, to move on with their financial planners or whoever they have to move on after us. They start redefining a new story for themselves. Like this is a clean slate. I now get to sign my tax return and understand what I'm signing. I now get to make these financial decisions because I'm making them good, bad, or indifferent. I'm making that decision for the rest of my life. It's really rewarding and so um, powerful what financial clarity gives somebody. I just, yeah. I, I just love what we do because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And pivoting, we hear a lot of this as well, pivoting from what well, he said, he's told me that this is the truth, or he said, this is the way it is, or he mm -hmm. said this, or he said that too. I'm going to make a decision too. This is my best decision. This is what I want to do. So it's not a negative that he said, but they, uh, so many women frame their opinion or their conclusions based on what he said. Yes. So right or wrong, it's not their opinion and the, or their conclusion. So it, to help people 
get to that place of making their own decisions and feeling comfortable because sometimes they don't even trust their own gut to make a good decision. Exactly. And to really, I mean, I think also many people who have been in relationships where maybe they have given over the decision-making or they mm -hmm. have tried to plead a lot of people pleasing, right? It's going to be mm -hmm. really hard to trust yourself. And as you're talking, Karen, I'm thinking, trust yourself to make a decision and trust yourself to make a mistake. Oh, that's yes. so good. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I have chills, right? We learn from mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, and we're constantly shifting. And I really want to make this clear. What you needed at one time is might not be what you need now. We are amazing beings that we shift and change. So with your relation, that's the affirmation about the relationship. Like that relationship worked for me back then. I have so many friendships and so many relationships that worked for me at a time they say a reason people come into your life, a reason, a season or a lifetime. Have you heard yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so this is that person is here to teach you something. And maybe what you're learning is like, I can make a mistake and bounce back from that. Doesn't right. have to be I perfect. Remember, I, I actually think my daughter said this to me. She said really two powerful things to me. Well, she said a lot of powerful things. <laughs> One of them was mom. I think you're <clears throat> sad because you thought you had something that you didn't. Mm. And I thought that's exactly right. Some of us think we have this relationship that we wanted to have, but we didn't really have. And so yes. that's where a lot of the guilt comes um, or the regret or what have you. But another yeah. thing I want to ask you, how do you do, handle this with your clients? Because another dialogue that I think the outsider says to the person going through divorce is, yeah, your spouse is an idiot. Just get over it. You should be so happy. Move on. Why are you crying? This is ridiculous. You know, move yeah. on with your life. You know, everybody has to move at their own pace, right? It was two absolutely and a half years until I truly healed and was ready to love again. So everybody's different. Everyone moves at their own pace. And how do yeah. you work with your clients to say, hey, let's just take this one step at a time. Don't listen yeah. to all the others out there who love you, but may be guiding you uh, on a path you're not ready for. Yeah, so in the chapter called Fr Friends or Foes about how to get the best support, I talk about a taxonomy of four different types of people in your life. And um, I have an exercise where you really kind of list all the people in your life and figure out what category they're in and they can be one of many. So the first category is what we call a cheerleader. This is your person who no matter what you do is like, you're amazing. You know, you're like, oh my God, I got a flat tire and I hit this other car. They're like, oh my gosh, you're such, you're such a good problem solver. You already have the tow, tow truck there, right? Like they just always upride you is how I think of it. Um, then there's the confidants. Those people you can talk to in all hours of the night. I feel like you could be both of these for me and just talk and talk and talk and they'll listen and they'll listen and they'll support you. But then there are people who are what we call, I call way showers. So in writing the book, I'm one of those, you, you know, Catherine and, and Karen, with your experience, we're people who've gone through what you've gone through and we can show you the way. We might not be the people you're calling every night. We're not your, we might not be your cheerleaders, right? Or your confidants, but we've shown you the way and you want to, um, you want to learn from us. And then the other one, I like to think of them as like the fairies. They're the ones who kind of network you. So you're sitting at, you know, on the train, at least when we used to take train, and you just start <laughs> chatting with someone and they tell you about a new condo complex that's coming up and you're looking for a place or someone who mentions, you know, a fun dating site and how they had coaching around it. Like those are people who you just meet for the network. 
And I bring these up. These are the four supports. There's, we'll get to the next one because I, at least for me, I, I at times wanted everyone to be all of those. And I got yeah. them really confused. And the more you know who you can go to for what, the better you are. And the last group are what I call the naysayers. And we all have them. And there's some things in psychology, I think it's the confirmation bias where we, I, I did this, we go to the naysayers, even though we know what they're going to say to try I think if we, we think if we convince them then they want, we run, right? And I just say like, don't do that. Like, stop going to the naysayers. The person who said he's, you know, he's terrible, break up with him. Don't talk to her so much about the divorce. And if you do, I have this exercise where you try to use these other words of opportunity. You kind of shift the conversation. Um, and so I want to let people know, like, you are in control of who you talk to and what you share and how much of it you share. So and you can say to someone, I, I explain this in the book too, you know, hey, I know you're um, really trying to help me. And it sounds like this is something that would be helpful for you. The way you're talking about my ex is just getting me more riled up. So why don't we just go and talk about this cool TV show on Netflix, right? You can set that boundary, but you have to really be aware. I really want to, just like the, the ex is not our, you know, is not who we should focus on. We are in control of who we talk to. What we share is our, our divine special secret. And we don't have to share that with anybody. So I really had to learn that the hard way. I love that chapter I and I too. love that exercise. I think that is fabulous. That is so good. Yeah, I love so it. glad. And yeah. we cannot end this podcast without talking <laughs> a little bit about righteous anger. I heard yeah. you talking on other podcasts about this and it's fabulous. Yeah. Can you please touch on that? <laughs> Of course, everyone loves to talk about this. I love to talk about it too. In the book I wrote, I like get giddy when I think about it because it's a, an emotion that we've just been so, we've just told, we've just been told, especially for women to disavow completely. So I have to start this conversation by saying that all emotions are excitations in the brain. That's what they are. Joy, excitement, pride. Those are the same excitations as sadness, grief, and anger. It's the judgment we put on it that really taints it. The brain has no valence for these different emotions. It's us who give it power, positive or negative. So I, I describe righteous anger and usually people think about righteous anger as if you're being like politically active or socially active. And I use the word righteous because you all have a right to be super pissed off. Like if you're going through a divorce, I'm sure there are things that you have absolute understandably understandable need to be angry about. I think anger is a beautiful emotion, just like all emotions. It, the problem is most of us are told not to be angry. Get over it. You're fine. How many of us heard like, you're fine, mm -hmm. right? Or oh, this one kills me the most. Um, it could be so much worse. At least yeah. you have fill in the blank, right? Um, or for women, you know, like pipe down, whoa, I didn't, you know, all of these messages. You're getting aggressive. You're getting aggressive, right? Like, you know, using the B word, right? Instead of like, no, I'm just being assertive, like yeah. saying how I'm actually feeling and I'm frustrated, you know, and and be, we're, we're, we're allowed to be irritable. We're allowed to be frustrated, but we're not allowed to be angry. So I really want to let people know if you've gone through a divorce, totally able to have righteous anger. 
problem is we, sh we push it down and it comes out sideways. So we snap at our kids, we snap, when, you know, we have road rage, you know, we, it comes out in a different way at our lawyer, at our financial planner, right? It comes out other ways. And we know this, right? As people working through divorce, I like his partner. Exactly. At your business partner, at your partner, partner, you know, like all the time, right? The next person who walks in the room person. Exactly. Exactly. So let's do them all a favor and allow you to actually feel your anger. And because, you know, emotions are, we think about emotions, but they are live in our body. I suggest that we work on anger through our bodies. So I, I always suggest you find, everyone has their own song, but you find a song and you find music that just gets you like feeling all the feelings of anger. For me, it's rage against the machine. You put it on and you just let your body move in whatever way it wants to, because your body knows how it needs to release. The first time I did this, I had no idea what I was going to do. And the next thing I knew my arms were, my elbows were moving backwards like this. And every time I do it, I do that. And it's, be, I think, I think it's this feeling of like, get off me. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's just, my body knows what it wants to do. Sometimes I like to pound on the floor. There's all these movements that I want to do that the music helps me move through. And then when I'm done, I'm done. It That's really not, moves through. It's kind of like what I used to do with my son, <laughs> you know, when he got into his little cranky mood, I yeah. used to go up in your room. Sometimes I had to hold the door closed because he was mm -hmm. trying to come out and he'd start banging what 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 yeah. have you. And then after a while he'd settle down because I always said, come down when you're feeling better. You know, or you want to yeah. talk to mommy differently, that's when you come back downstairs. Yeah. They so need I to really move through it. that. Yeah. Listen because that song, I don't have so a name. So I so the so <laughs> the song either. that I, so the song that I like is um uh in the name it's called um Killing in the Name of. It's called killing in the name of, and it just goes like, it's, and, and like I bang my head. Like, it's just the most amazing thing. I've not on anything, but in the air it's, and I, it's interesting. Cause I have a teenager and I was driving in the car with her the, the other day and she put on a song she liked and she started doing this thing with her head. And I thought, yeah, I know. Like you need to move all of it. And being a teenage girl, it's like the rage is like <laughs> yeah. constant, you know, I was like, <laughs> yes, move your head, dance, move, move. Cause we really, we need to move this natural fight flight or freeze response through our body. And so I have a lot more exercises and suggestions for that in the book. That's fabulous. A podcast of just all this. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are, I have been in groups of women where, um, they will, will play, will rent out a studio and have lots of different music and people just move their bodies how they oh, need to. Fun. That's so That's fun. amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. So our next person who is not understanding their 401k, I'm going to yes. call Dr. Cohen and tell her to play killing <laughs> in the name of it takes some <laughs> good punches. Exactly. Yes. Uh, that's class. great. Uh, yeah, that's great. Awesome. <laughs> So, you know, we barely touched on all of the chapters in your book. So this is yeah. just a, a snapshot of all yeah. of the I'll have to come back. Nuggets. Absolutely. Back. <laughs> Absolutely. But for now, we're going to go ahead and conclude. Time is nearing. So this does conclude our episode on healing, growing, and thriving beyond divorce. Thank you so much, Dr. Cohen, for being here today. Thank you for the excellent conversation we're so appreciative oh, and for all so much. oh yeah. just we're just so happy me too not angry in this moment <laughs> <laughs> which would also be okay totally. that's totally great <laughs> 
So for those of you who are listening, um, this podcast will have already um, aired by the time your book comes out. So you can get your book on her website, um, www.drelizabethcohen.com forward slash book. You can order it on Amazon. It will already have been out a month by now. But until then, congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, and thank you for the wonderful resources you provide to people who really need you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for what you provide to people too. It's such a, such a gift. And thanks for having me. Thank you.